Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's January 31st, 1990, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. When I see a queue at the drive-in, I turn back if there's more than half a dozen other cars. It's just not worth five minutes of my time waiting for a milkshake. (laughs) But on this day in 1990, 30,000 Muscovites lined up in freezing cold Pushkinskaya Square just to get their hands on a Big Mac. Because this was opening day at the Soviet Union's first McDonald's. According to contemporary accounts, a queue had already formed by sunrise, keeping in mind that the McDonald's was not due to open its doors until 10 a.m. And we have no record they were doing breakfast. No, exactly. There was no such thing as the egg McMuffin, <laughs> probably. Uh, and the branch would actually end up closing at midnight, two hours later than advertised, just to serve those 30,000 hamburgers to all the people who had queued up for hours just to get a taste of them. I mean, it's fortunate that it was such an enormous McDonald's. And in fact, it was the biggest for its time, though it was quickly superseded by other McDonald's that were bigger. But it had 700 seats inside and another 200 outside and had 27 cash registers. So it had like this just massive amount of capacity for dealing with people and getting them through the doors, which, you know, it needed to to keep up with the fact that there were just so many people at the gates. It's an interesting design, actually. You can see photos of what the McDonald's looked like. I don't know if it still does, but it's the sort of classic 1980s (laughs) cottagey-looking McDonald's that you would have seen all over the West, Mm. but kind of appended to another one. So you've got like a footprint of two normal McDonald's restaurants, but then in the middle, an atrium joining them together, which appears to kind of burst through the tiled roof, almost like a shark coming up to the surface. And... I suspect the architectural nudge there was to emulate something seismic happening, you know, the Mm. earthquake of, because this is why, of course, there were 30,000 people going to come in. This is capitalism coming to Russia. And to deal with the expected demand, the restaurant limited purchases of Big Macs to 10 per customer in the hopes of preventing burger scalping, I suppose. You might, you know, with 30,000 people waiting, you might find it preferable to just pay someone to grab you one when they were in there. I was going to say, because even the Hamburglar didn't take 10. Well, to be fair, not many people in Soviet Russia would have been buying 10 Big Macs at a time. A Big Mac on opening day cost 3 rubles 75. That's about $6.70, which at the time was equivalent to a monthly pass on the Moscow Metro, but still cheaper Mm. than the pretty scant selection of private restaurants that were available. Yeah. I mean, Oli, you hinted at politics, but just to put in context when this opening took place, the Berlin Wall had fallen just three months before this, and it was at the height of the then President Mikhail Gorbachev's perestroika economic reforms. So the arrival of these golden arches in downtown Moscow just would have been the most you know, incredible and literal sign that, as you said, Ollie, like capitalism is coming. It's not just coming, it's here right on your front doorstep. I do wonder, though, whether it was easier to swallow, if you pardon the pun, for the Soviets, that it was the Canadians they were joining Mm. force with rather than the Americans. Because, of course, McDonald's is 
almost sort of the ultimate symbol of 20th century America. Mm. But it's a Canadian flag that's on the door in the photos. There's the Soviet flag and the Canadian flag. And the reason for that was that it was actually a joint project between George Cohen, who was the founder and CEO of McDonald's in Canada, who'd met Soviet Union officials at the 1976 Summer Olympics in Montreal and Moscow's city council. And together, they had commissioned this giant restaurant. And I don't know, it's obviously America coming to Russia. And yet somehow, because it's Canada coming to Moscow. Yeah. It perhaps just feels a bit more palatable to the Muslim. Canada is definitely the polite face of America. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as you mentioned, it had been 14 years in the making to actually get the McDonald's open. And George Cohan would actually be named Pravda's capitalist hero of labour of 1990 for his Herculean (laughs) efforts in getting it off the ground. Competitive field, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting, again, looking at the photos of the opening day, All of the people waving flags in the queue as well have been given, of course, the McDonald's flag. And they're not really given a US flag, are they? But it's the McDonald's flag like you get at a kid's birthday party, you know, with the classic golden arches on a red background, which, of course, looks a bit like the Soviet flag. Yeah. (laughs) Quite interesting. Yeah. Like they're waving it and it's like almost like a patriotic Russian thing to be waving whilst you're waiting in line for this most American of meals. And the golden arches have beneath them it just looks so tacked on like no graphic designer had came anywhere near this but it's got the soviet flag immediately beneath the golden arches so they were aware of what it meant symbolically politically even before they opened their doors but efforts were made on opening day to bring a bit of russian atmosphere to this obviously quintessentially american corporate chain i mean standing eight hours in the cold would do that i feel i think <laughs> you're got, already in a soviet the russian frame atmosphere of covered. yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah <box ticked. laughs> according to the ap's report from the day accordions played folk songs and women in traditional costumes danced with cartoon characters including mickey mouse and baba yaga a witch of russian fairy tales and there was an accompanying photograph and it looks absolutely <laughs> horrifying as you can probably imagine it does I saw that scary one. Ass Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, it's so horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I read an interview with uh, Mitya Kushelovich, who was one of the very early customers, and he recalled this opening in an article that was written in 2014 when McDonald's briefly had to close its doors across uh, all of Russia for sanitary reasons, in inverted commas. In fact, it was in retaliation for the sanctions that the US had slapped on Russia for invading the Ukraine. But what he wrote was, directly above the restaurant was a Coca-Cola sign, and the first for the country that would shine in the darkness, brighter than the red stars atop the Kremlin Towers. And on the opposite side of the street stood a bronze of Pushkin, the poet, the conscience of the soul of Russian culture. Add the romantic poet across the road and you have the Holy Trinity symbolising all that is important to Russians. Eating, drinking and contemplating the Russian soul. (laughs) That's just the best description of what was going on there. I mean, the food was the likes of which they had never tasted. You know, not just because it was a taste of Americana, but because it's McDonald's. I mean, mm. McDonald's, you know, it's it's so a part of our culture that you almost don't think about it anymore. It's its own thing. Yeah. But what it is, is almost a parody of American food, isn't it? That's what it is. Like, it's a, it's a copy of a copy of a copy. And you understand that it's good value and that it's a family restaurant because it's cheap, because you've tried the other thing. But imagine never having eaten a burger before and then being given a fizzy drink, the fries... And the Big Mac in that weird 80s packaging, it must have just been so foreign. It might have been like going to a, 
you know, a restaurant that was themed after outer space. Yeah, that's such a good description of what McDonald's burgers are to burgers. It does feel like it's the fourth photocopy you've taken on down and it's lost all of its like soul and like original sort of identifiable features. But I can't, I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, I, I just reckon if it had been a Pizza Hut or a KFC that opened first, <laughs> that would have been a better culinary experience than a Big Mac, <laughs> even though it might have had less sort of resonance of a taste of the West. Well, the Big Mac meal that you bought at the first Moscow McDonald's may not have tasted exactly like the kind that you would get in the United States or indeed anywhere else, because to avoid the notorious procurement issues which plagued the Soviet Union, the company had invested $50 million in building up its own supply chains on the ground for literally everything at this big facility that they called the Mook Complex, which still produces a lot of stuff for Russian McDonald's now. And it housed everything, a bakery so they could make their hamburger buns the exact way they wanted, a meat processing plant. The only thing apparently that they couldn't quite get right were the fries because Russian potatoes taste slightly different from American potatoes. And so the fries didn't have that quintessential McDonald's-y taste, although apparently the Big Mac was pretty good. Although if it's the first Big Mac you've ever had, you obviously aren't going to know the difference. Fascinating how they engineer that, wouldn't it? Like, can you imagine, like, tasting the Russian potatoes and be like, no, they need to be blander. Yeah, yeah. yeah apparently they imported tubers from America so they could start growing the right variety in Russia. There's also the customer service, which was foreign to... Both the employees of McDonald's, for which there were 35,000 applications, so you ended up with students from prestigious universities who could speak multiple languages who wanted themselves to have a taste of Western employment who were working there, but also for the customers who just hadn't seen the like of it before, being smiled at. There's some amazing footage from opening day, which I found on CBC, where this Russian woman who was working at McDonald's dressed up like an American working at McDonald's with the hair, the makeup and the dungarees and everything. She was just like, everyone asking why I'm smiling all the time. They think I am laughing at them. (laughs) Which I just thought was brilliant. You wouldn't know how to react. Why is this obviously Russian person smiling at me? What have I done? And just a marker of how much times have changed, I was having a quick look on Google Maps earlier, and this McDonald's neighbours now include a United Colours of Benetton and a Cinnabon. One of the people standing in the queue that day with three rubles and 75 subrubles... Copex. It's a Copex. Thank you, uh, Copex, um, was the future Hollywood star Jason Statham who was there with Britain's national diving team. And what? You're just making this up now. You're just putting words together. No, nope, this is true. And he didn't want to miss the event, so went down to see the thing and stood in the queue and got himself a big bat. Well, actually, history doesn't recount if he actually made it to the front of the queue, but he was there uh, waiting in line to get a Big Mac. If only he'd waited 30 years, he could have had a Cinnabon chaser. <laughs> Tomorrow. And sometimes they used to mash up cantharides into it as well, which is a Spanish fly. Yeah. Jesus. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.